0: What's up, guys? This episode, we're going to talk about using state machines in your Rails application and uh, how to install them and use them. So if you're not familiar with what a state machine is, take a look at the episode I've linked to in the notes and above in the YouTube video um, where I basically just explain what a state machine is. This is something just really to keep track of the state of an object in your system. So this is something that is really, really useful in software and a lot of places are going to be using this, especially stuff sort of like uh, uh, background workers. They're going to need to keep track of the state and uh, transition things around. And this is really crucial, especially when you're using something uh, and doing something complex like uh, you have a vehicle. So if you have a vehicle, you want to be able to... define the state that initially it's parked, but when you go from park to anything um, you want to put on the seatbelt, and then after a crash you want to tow the car and after repair you fix the car. So long as you define all these things your uh, system should be working correctly. But the real trouble is when you're trying to define this elsewhere um, If you're trying to define this in regular code, you have to have so many little things in there. So, like, yeah, when we go from parked to anything, then we have to put on a seatbelt. Like, you can't do a regular uh, active record update from the parked state to something else and then just know that it's going to work. So this uh, state machine gem is really, really helpful to make sure that you're getting things done, like put a... Put on the seatbelt method. Um, this is also very awesome because it allows you to define which transitions are valid. So if you call the park event, then it will only transition from idling and first gear into parked. You can't take it from fourth gear immediately into parked. That would be dangerous. So it helps you define all of the rules in a reasonable format. I think this is probably the best. Uh, that I can think of that you would use to define this in Ruby Uh, because state machines can be quite complex and have quite a few rules Um, and really like this is long uh, for an example implementation but when you look at all the stuff that it does it really takes a lot of the vehicle um, attributes and the required functionality of vehicle and defines it reasonably cleanly it's a lot of code but vehicles are also very complex so uh, you can even see down here i believe there's a second state machine for the car's alarm which is really interesting because you can have multiple state machines for the exact same object which means that the car's alarm might be on it might be off all of those things and you can trigger that even from various other things like your other state machine so this is really interesting and it allows you to say like when the car is parked let's override the speed of the car and always force it to zero which is really interesting as well so you can take this stuff and you can basically override these methods as necessary throughout your system so the state machine gems are pretty fantastic and there's another one called asm which is very similar it seems to be more recently maintained i've had to fork the state machine gem itself um, to include a few patches to work with the latest version of rails uh but yeah take a look at both of these because they're uh, also very similar but i think pretty fantastic so um, this one defines states in a little different manner And you can do pretty much the same things, I believe. Uh, I haven't seen anything that you couldn't do in one or the other. It just kind of depends on the syntax that the two support. So take a look at both of these. Um, I'm going to show you how we could use the state machine gem in Rails. And take this and basically lay out what payments flow might look like uh, with our state machine. So I've got a payments app here that I just created uh, and there's nothing in it. So the first thing that we have to do to uh, set up our state machine is we need a model with an attribute for the state. So if we create a payment model, so maybe we have a product that we're um, paying for, maybe it has an amount, it's an integer and there's a state on the purchase so the state needs to be a string so you can generate a model with that string column and you can run rake db migrate and this will basically set everything up for the foundations of this gem so i'm going to go down here at the bottom and we're going to add the state machine gem and you can do the same thing with asm it's pretty much exactly the same flow i'm going to grab the Uh, github version from my state machine fork just so that we have that then we can run bundle to install that okay so now that that is installed we can open up the payment model and we can start our state machine in here so this state machine as you can see on this uh, vehicle model has a whole lot of stuff here and really the piece that you need is this first line you need to say state machine state and this is going to be the symbol for the attribute that you are uh, saving to the database ours is called state so that's great and then you can set an initial value and so ours might be uh, pending because we're working on payments so maybe as soon as you create a new payment it's pending um, and we know payments that have like started or people who have maybe started, but they, not, they haven't necessarily um, gone through and started processing this. So we have probably a few states that we want to create. So we want pending, and pending could go to processing. Um, so imagine this happens in a background worker or something. We can do the processing in the background. And then from processing, we could either have a successful payment Or we could have a failed payment. And then we can also refund the successful payment, but not a failed payment. So this is uh, sort of just the flow. And this is a state machine that really just flows in one direction and doesn't really loop around or anything. Um, So it's a more simple state machine, but it still has to go through these steps. It's important for us to set these events that are going to happen. So we'll have these events, and these will be the things that transition the uh, state from one to another. So you have to have an event that happens. And basically you're going to do something like process, and this will transition the payment from the pending state to the processing state. Now, um, this is something that you can see here in these examples. You can transition from idling or first gear to parked. You can transition from stalled to also stalled or parked to idling. So this is something that we're going to define here so when you start to process a payment you're going to go from pending to processing and then we're going to have events that our payments processor so imagine you have some code in the background that's doing this once it's in the processing state you can have a fail method and you can transition from processing to failed or you could have a Uh, success event where you transition from processing to successful and then the last one that we want to define here is we want to have a refund where it could transition from successful to refunded now all of these are really just going to transition the states on the object, so let's take a look at that in the Rails console. So let me clear this out and run Rails c here. Let's create a new payment and we'll call it P. And we've actually defined fail, which is a method that we defined here, basically that has already uh, been—it's uh, already on the object. So I'm not exactly sure where it comes from, whether it's Active Record base or the state machine um but the fail method's already there so let's just change the event name to uh failed so this should allow us to reload create a new payment object it is working this time and our state is automatically set to pending and if you'll notice we didn't set a default in our active record migration um, so the state would by default be nil except for in this case uh, because the state machine gem automatically sets that up for us to set it to pending. So here we can say uh, payment dot, dot process. So if you call the event that you have chosen here, this will actually uh, save the record and transition it to that state. So here you can see that when we call it process, it has transitioned to the processing state. So this is maybe when your user sets the processing, uh, or maybe your user puts the credit card in, you save this payment, and then it sets itself to processing. And then your background worker picks it up and says, okay, now that we're processing, let's see if the payment fails or succeeds. So then your code in the background can do one of two things. One, it could say, okay, well, it failed, so let's tell it um, to transition the state to failed. And when you call p.failed, it will call this event and transition from processing to failed. So now you can see that we have a failed payment. And if you were to try to do something like success here, and transition it from processing to successful, it won't succeed and you will get false in return because the state that it's currently at failed doesn't allow that. And you can also do various things here where you can ask the state machine if it can do something. So here's an example in their in their example readme you can see if you can do various things so can you ignite so we could say can success and it will tell you false and it builds these methods dynamically so you could see actually can we take this payment to the successful state well no we can't because we're currently failed So it provides all these various helpers and shows you the transitions and the state events and um, a bunch of stuff like that that allows you to, uh, to use these helper methods in a way that it can generate them and you can just interact with it in a more fluid manner. So this is really cool. And we can create a new payment so let's just override the p variable and we'll create a new payment and here we can say okay process this payment Uh, the payment was a success and now we have the ability to take this to can refund and it will say true because we do allow that now so what it's doing behind the scenes is it's saying, when you say can refund, it looks for that event for the refund, and then it says, uh, if your state is currently successful, then we can trans, we can transfer you to the funded state. And that's um, basically all it's doing behind the scenes. It's looking to see if it matches any of these transitions that you set up, and will tell you true or false if that is allowed. So it's really pretty simple behind the scenes, but it's got a lot of stuff set up for you. So this is cool. We can call refund and that will refund the payment. Now, um, there's a lot of things here that you're probably thinking is like, okay, well, you just transitioned these states and the only thing that changed on the object was the state. So how do I actually call the refund code Um, say from Stripe or Braintree when that happens and you're basically going to set these up as these callbacks. So here's a couple examples of various things that you can do for those transitions or those callbacks. So you have a couple helpers here to set up callbacks for before transition, after transition, and around transition. And you can set these up so that it will happen just like your before filters, your after filters, and your around filters in controllers, but there's various things that you can do. So around transition benchmark, uh, I believe we'll call the benchmark method. This one here is a little bit different you can say when you transition from parked to anything, but anything other than parked, then call the put on seatbelt method. And this after transition says when you go from anything to parked, then we'll just run this code right here, which sets the seatbelt to off. So rather than setting up a put or like a take off seatbelt, they have just done this in line with a block. So you can do either one. And let's set up one of those in our application. So let's say, let's do an after transition. Um, Let's do after transition uh, from pending to processing. Let's do a process Stripe payment method. So let's define that. And then outside of the state machine, you can make a process Stripe payment method. And here you could call this stripe charge.new and do all your code for that. And then basically, if it's successful, um, then you could call the success method. Otherwise, you could call the failed method, and this would then transition the uh, state machine from one to the other. So let's do something like this and say if it's true, then we'll automatically move on to success. So we should be able to go into our console here, create a new payment, payment payment.new, payment.process, and this should actually go from processing to successful for us, and it does. So what is happening then is when you call process, we go from pending to processing, the state machine knows when you go from that tra- transition from one to the other, you should try to process the Stripe payment. And then in here, it knows that, well, if it was successful, then let's transition to success. And if it failed, then we can transition to failed. And this can all happen in a flow like that. And you can define your methods over here outside of the state machine to do the processing itself. So after transitions and uh, before transitions are great when you want to do all of this stuff immediately when the transition happens. For example, if you wanted to do this in a background process, you could still write the same method, but you would rather than um, adding the after transition, you would delete this and then you would call process stripe payment from your background worker, which would just look for um, payments in the processing status for example. So this um, is great to do this in line. And then you can also do something like a before transition. um, And you could say, well, let's take successful payments. And when they go to uh, refund, refunded, um, we should process Stripe refund. So this is one of those cases where you actually want to do this before it fully transitions because refunded would be the final state and that would assume that it has been successful. So you wanna do it before the transition uh, happens and we can do price a stripe refund and this can be the one that tells it true or false like does it allow this to actually happen. So this could be some code in here that um, attempts the Stripe refund. So it would be like Stripe charge retrieve, whatever. And then I think you can call the refund method on it, um, or however the Stripes API is defined. So you would be calling something like this inside of here. And then once that's finished, as long as it didn't cause any problems, um, you would then be able to have this go back and finish the transition and so this would just run before it finishes which means that if this fails or something like that you can catch it before it actually marks it as refunded so imagine that this actually raised uh let's just raise a standard error here but imagine that it raised a stripe like we couldn't look up the charge or it doesn't exist or something like that so it raised a stripe error if you were to do that um and let's reload this let's get that last payment out of the database uh which is a successful payment if we were to call a refund on it we would get something like this that would blow up and that would be bad but the good thing here is that um, even though it failed, it didn't go ahead and update our payment to refunded. It caught it before that happened. So it would be a, a definitely a bug in the system if your code crashed, but it said it was refunded and then your customer thought they were refunded, but they really never were. That's a really dangerous. Uh, bug to have in your code. So make sure that you pay attention to the proper like transitions that you're doing here because that is a crucial piece of writing good software. So you want to make sure that you're doing that stuff logically so that these transitions don't happen on accident. And that is the main thing for you to look out when you're writing a state machine. You're going to make sure that all of the requirements are defined um and process successfully before the transition actually happens if that's the way that the transition should work since we could probably talk about this gem for hours i want to just touch on one last thing here which i think is really useful which is the state blocks so the state block example here is that we only really want to validate the presence of your seat belt being on in the first or second gears which means that if your car is parked or it's idling then we don't really care so much if your seatbelt is on or off. This is something that's really awesome because it allows you to do this rather than trying to put an if option on here with a lambda and write a bunch of code in line it allows you to define this in a much much cleaner uh, much cleaner way and we can do things that are really awesome so um, Let's get rid of this before transition and the error that we we're raising. But imagine that we want to have a method that only shows up when the uh, payment has been refunded. Here we can simply say refunded state, and we can define a method here. So maybe we have no refunded at column in the database, and we want to have like a refunded at method here. So maybe... Um, we want to define this, and this should return the time.zone.now. This is as simple as it would have to be for this method to only show up during that refunded state. If you call this method and you're on successful state or processing or failed or pending, it will throw an error because this method is not available, which is really nifty. Um, it allows you to organize your code, and then you can call the, you can't call this method Um, so we have it already protected by putting it inside of the state block. If you didn't have it in here, you would have to move it out and you would have to make this method down here. And first you would have to say like, let's return nil if state is not equal to, uh, refunded. So you'd either have to do something like this or you'd have to like raise an error. So you could raise like some sort of error. And that would be awful as well because now you're putting all this stuff inside the method and it's like, well, you're not supposed to be able to call this so we need to protect it. And it just goes on and on and it becomes kind of a painful thing where every one of these methods that only applies to refunded um, has to do this. And this is the kind of code that you would have to write all over the place if you weren't using the state machine gem. So imagine that you got rid of all of this. You would have to say your methods would be like uh, process, and then it would like raise standard error if state is not equal to pending, say that you couldn't process from the the successful state or the refunded state. And then you would do your processing code And all of those methods you could define manually without the state machine gem. Um, But you'd have to do all this stuff like that. And you'd have to put in all those rules inside of your code. And then it becomes quickly like an unreadable thing. And that is the beauty of having the state machine gem. Because it allows you to define it and all of the rules. And it takes care of handling those exceptions and the transitions and everything about the validations between the two without having to write all of your own checking code that could easily be written poorly and you can miss something Um, but this is defined in such a way that you don't have to worry about it and the state machine gem will take care of it for you so that was kind of a whirlwind into intro to the state machine gem i hope you enjoyed it i definitely recommend using it Uh, it does get a bit unwieldy once you start having a lot of events and things going on so this is also something that you may want to pull out of your model and put it in a concern and include it just so that you can uh, make that model a lot more readable It, it can be a little bit overwhelming because of how much code you have to write but at the same time it does allow you to protect the transitions of your uh, objects throughout the system, and that alone is worth the kind of headache of having a couple hundred lines of code to define your state machine. It would probably take you more than a couple hundred lines of code to do this outside, and you're going to save yourself from a lot of problems by defining a state machine in your Rails app. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a favorite over State Machine or AASM, let me know in the comments and I look forward to talking to you next episode. Peace.